You are so wonderful to me. You are so wonderful to me. You're everything that I hope for. You're everything that I need. You are, you are so wonderful to me. Welcome first time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. We're so honored on this 25th day of National Panini Month to welcome Kate Pay, our fourth lawyer and 32nd professional women's basketball player or coach, the two-time national champion at Stanford, the first as a freshman walk-on in 1992, and the second in 2021 as the Harry Kay and Ida S. Berland associate head women's basketball coach, where she still remains today under legendary Hall of Fame coach, Tara Vanderveer. It should be noted that she hated being a lawyer. She shares a birthday with Ann Curtis, fellow San Franciscan and two-time Olympic swimming champion, former WNBA players Michelle Edwards and Carla McGee, and TNT's Shaquille O'Neal. She was also born the same year as Jennifer Capriati. She went to Stanford summer camp when she was nine years old. She won three, count them, three state championships in high school, playing for her brother, shout out to Big Brother, And her parents, brother and sister, all went to Stanford, and that's not all. She was at the first ever WNBA game. She's a mom, and besides being born at Stanford's hospital herself, her kids were also born there. She played in the ABL and the WNBA. She overcame a knee surgery recently. She loves the beach, especially when Tara calls her to invite her back as an assistant coach. And today you will hear the rest of the story. You can find her on Twitter at Kate Pay. Pay is with an E at the end of it. And you can find out more about Stanford women's basketball at ghoststanford.com. Kate, man, truly an honor to have you here today uh, during our 50th anniversary anniversary of Title IX Celebration Series. Welcome to the Sports Daily Podcast, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Who? Thanks for having me. That is, uh, without a doubt, the nicest introduction I've ever gotten. I'm a little bit intimidated, however, because I think you know me better than I do. <laughs> well, um, you know, we all evolve, I guess. And, uh, you know, the Internet will allow us to find out things that we probably didn't want them to find out about us. <laughs> so, as I said earlier, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a question I don't because I normally start chronologically. So the first question I want to ask you, Kate, was um, uh, it's 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 hard. It's one of the hardest things for a program to endure when your perceived best player goes out with an injury. And so we've seen Paige Beckers at UConn go out. And today we learned from Coach Mitty that uh, Ayoka Lee, uh, All-American center from Kansas State, is going to be out for the entire season with a knee injury. And they lost Giselle Sanchez as well this year. And so my question to you is, not only, you know, when you break the news to your team, but what do you guys do as coaches? to change course and then how do you not just initially but every day when you know the vibration in the gym uh you can feel the void and the sadness surrounding the program how do you handle that who you're right i'm not really excited about starting off our conversation talking about injuries (laughs) that feels like uh you know uh, i'm playing with fire here so uh but we'll it's a leadership a question, bit, so right? Not, knock yeah. on wood. Right. Um, obviously, um, 
you know, as a coach, as a competitor, you hate when anybody is injured. So uh, my heart goes out to, uh, you know, the players that you mentioned, uh, their teams, their coaches, uh, and, you know, unfortunately inju injuries are part of sport and uh, every uh, athlete, if you play long enough, you deal with them, you coach long enough, every team deals with them. It's just kind of uh, unfortunately part of it. Um, uh, honestly, as coaches, we work as hard as we can every day to keep people healthy. Uh, we feel like that's our number one job. Uh, but of course, you know, there's so many things uh, related to injuries that are out of our yeah. control. So, yeah. um, you know, I think, um, you know, as coaches, you know, if you're ever in that situation, um, you know, first of all, it's heartbreaking for the student athlete who's involved, um, you know, just want to uh, support them, love them, um, encourage them, be positive with them, obviously making sure they're getting great medical attention. Uh, in terms of your team, uh, you know, I think it's kind of, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's an opportunity for somebody else. And, right. um, you know, it, it's just kind of part of the game. And, you know, I think what we've all been through as coaches, players, teams, the past couple of years with the pandemic, uh, you know, somebody's testing positive here, they're in quarantine, they're out. Um, quite honestly, uh, we went through this this past year, just, you know, you kind of every week it was, you know, unfortunately, one or two different people, you know, test positive, they're out, you know, okay, you're going to have to reconfigure your lineup, different opportunity for different people. We need different people to step up. And I think um, uh, in general, I think our sense is that over time that that will help your team. Uh, you know, if somebody else is out, somebody else is going to have to step up and they will. And whenever that player returns healthy, um, you know, other players are going to be better for it and your team will be better for it. But it, it is challenging. And again, my heart goes out to um, both those players and uh, anybody else who's dealing with injury right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, you yourself, Antara, have seen, you know, a lot of injuries and you guys are, are, I don't know if this is an insult or a compliment, but to me, it's a compliment. You know, you're a system program, um, you know, the way that you run things. And obviously you have to have polarizing players personality wise. You have to see players evolve and mature um, and uh, get better. Uh, but, you know, it seems like no matter who's plugged in, you guys continue to succeed and it, it can't just be the players only, you know, so what, what are the non-negotiables um, in a situation like that when there's an injury or there has to be a new identity for the team going into the season? Any successful uh, coach, any successful team, any successful program, they have a system. Uh, yeah. Success doesn't happen by accident. Um you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're looking at women's basketball, whether it's Dawn Staley, uh, you know, Kim Mulkey, uh, you know, th th these coaches have systems, you know, they have a system for success. And, and, and I think it's always interesting to study different coaches and what their different systems are. There's a lot of different ways to be successful. Um, you know, I think here at Stanford, um, you know, what we love doing and what I think uh, Tara does uh, as well, if not better than anybody, is what we call putting a championship puzzle together. And that is different each and every year, depending on your roster, um, you know, what your strengths are. And, um, you know, we, we just try to maximize our team's strengths individually and collectively and minimize weaknesses. And it's, it's a puzzle that you put together every year. And that's what's really, really fun about coaching. Obviously, if an injury occurs, uh, your, your puzzle pieces have changed and you might have to adapt. You might have to do th things differently, go to different strengths. 
uh, minimize different weaknesses. Um, I think in terms of non-negotiables, I think uh, uh, you know, for our team, our program, uh, it, it's about our team. Uh, we do not have a star system. We're all about our team success and uh, playing you know, high energy, unselfish uh, team basketball. And I think that, that that's really the biggest non-negotiable no matter what situation you're in, you know, especially if you're dealing with an injury. Uh, you know, we've had players, uh, you know, I think immediately of like an Erica McCall, uh, who she was in our starting lineup and she just says, coach, whatever you need. We're in a different situation, trying to figure it out, figure out our team. Erica, we need you to come off the bench. Coach, you know, wh whatever you need. Erica, we need you back in the start. Whatever our team needs, whatever's best for our, for our team. And I think that that's the biggest non-negotiable here at Stanford. Oh, that's amazing. Everybody hear that? or if you're watching, uh, phenomenal advice, because we're living in a time of instant gratification. So it's really hard sometimes <laughs> to tell them to play uh, a role that they're not used to or, or come at it from a different perspective and be completely selfless and care about the name on the front of the jersey. You know, even for the top 1% of the players, you know, that you're recruiting, even walk-ons like yourself, I mean, it's got to be, it's still got to take some time. And, you know, I'm sure you massage it in different ways, depending on the player, uh, to help them get there. And then, you know, they probably appreciate it later, but initially, man, it must be, uh, you know, just a struggle because just life's tough just as a student athlete coming in as a freshman, you know, better than anybody. Well, who, um, you know, you're exactly right. And, uh, Tarl say it all the time. We live in an, in an I world, iPhone, iPad, <laughs> Uh, we live in an instant world, you know, Instacart, uh, you know, we're used to everything happening, um, being able to individualize everything and have, have things happen quickly. Uh, the analogy that uh, we use a lot, um, you know, we, we love breakfast at Stanford. We love food in general. We like to eat well. You know, at breakfast, you have oatmeal and, uh, you know, you can have instant oatmeal, which is ready, you right. know, a snap of a finger fingers or you could do steel cut oatmeal which takes a lot longer but yeah. it, it tastes a lot uh tastes a lot better right. and i think what we try to do at stanford is really and i think we are very fortunate uh, we have incredible women uh, on our team we've had incredible women come through our program and they set examples for our young players uh we can point to somebody like an anna wilson who uh, you know, did not start until her fifth year at Stanford, ended up playing yeah. six years, setting a Stanford record, playing more games than any other player in Stanford history, which is an incredible record, a testament yeah. to her resilience. Um, but, you know, being a great player, uh, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And, um, you know, for the young players on our team, they have great upper class role, mo role models yeah. uh, that they can look up to that, th that have been through the process. Um, and I think because they all genuinely love each other, care about each other, uh, they sacrifice for each other and they help each other. And, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, probably the most powerful lesson that uh, the women on our team, uh, learn going through their Stanford experience. Oh man. Phenomenal. Uh, there's just nothing like, um, wonderful memories, not just winning national championships, but just the sorority of sisters, um, you know, what you can point to when you're older that you didn't even realize at the time <laughs> that uh, you're either saying or you're acting in a way that that either subtly or overtly impacted you. Uh, and that's the thing that I always try and tell my young uh, girls and they'll say, well, I'm not going to go pro. What's the point? And I'm like, do you know how many life lessons you learn 
by being a part of something bigger than yourself, you can't possibly comprehend it right now. But there's something about the, the journey and the process and the grind that will be a part of you forever that you can't you know, really understand right now. So that, you know, I can't even ma imagine at, at, the, at that level, despite the pressures, that aside, you know, just the um, amazing, um, you know, in retrospect, what that experience must do for players, even if they transfer, you know, there's so much that they, they get out of that. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, Joanne McCauley said, you better make sure that you tell Kate, uh, former Duke head coach, Michigan State main head coach, a good friend of the program and uh, author of Secret Warrior uh, that, that I say hello to you and tell you how, how much she appreciates you and how wonderful she thinks you are. Thanks, Duke. Uh, so, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, let's go back a little bit in time. I know you've shared the story a million times, but I'm interested um, in how it was to be coached by your brother uh, as a male coach, because you've been around women for the majority of your career. Uh, and because, um, you know, I was on the men's side for 15 years. It's my 16th year on the women's side. And so I'm just interested, you know, what some of the differences were and, and uh, you know, what what it's been like to be around amazing women your entire, the majority of your career. You know, who um, I'm born and raised here, as you alluded to uh, here in the Stanford area and uh, you know, being a coach now for going on almost 20 years, um, I can really reflect back and um, honestly say that I've been so privileged from the earliest of ages to have been coached by phenomenal coaches um, who are still impactful. I can still hear their voices in my head. Um, uh, you know, women who coached me in grade school uh, for soccer, for softball, for basketball, for track and field. Um, I had a phenomenal soccer coach, which is actually soccer was my first sport. sport um and named Akil, um, a Rastafarian coach from Jamaica who wow. I can still hear his voice in my head and so much <laughs> of what I learned in terms of angles wow. and spacing mm -hmm. at a very young age uh, that's applicable to all sports right. um, obviously basketball um, you know I think um, I am really blessed to have had my brother coach me for four years at, uh, at Menlo mm -hmm. and it was kind of an unusual situation um, uh, my brother, John, graduated from Stanford and was drafted by the 49ers, was actually with the 49ers, uh, recovering from some shoulder injuries, and Menlo didn't have a coach. And, you know, there he was, a 24-year-old guy. Before, really, there were many men involved in girls right. and women's basketball, and, you know, he's always been kind of my idol growing up. He's nine years older than I am. I grew up going to every single um, football, basketball, and baseball wow. game. He was a phenomenal baseball player drafted by the San Francisco Giants as well. Um, and to have him show that interest in me and um, my teammates, my classmates that, you know, here's this 24-year-old 24, 24 NFL football player who's going to, you know, coach high school girls basketball. At the time, there weren't, there weren't guys coaching the way we see it now. So yeah. uh, he's a terrific coach. Um, you know, so much of what I learned, you know, he played for Tom Davis at Stanford, right. uh, you know, so I learned, a, um, kind of that whole system and, um, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to have that. And I, I guess I want to, so when I answering your question, I look back, I don't think about, oh, I had female coaches or male coaches. Mm -hmm. I just feel really blessed to have had great coaches 
um, in all different sports throughout my childhood, throughout high school. And then obviously I think that uh, really prepared me. And uh, when I got to Stanford as a walk-on, um, I think my preparation, uh, having had uh, so, such great coaching uh, at such early ages, having my brother coach me in high school, gave me a chance to uh, kind of uh, hang on long enough to make the team and ultimately earn a scholarship at Stanford. So, um, you know, and then uh, playing professionally in the ABL and the WNBA, um, you know, I played for Lynn Dunn, I played for Brian Hagler, um, you know, uh, just uh, learning so much, you know, that, that was one thing I think in the back of my mind, uh, yeah, I tried being an attorney for a little bit, but I loved learning from all the different coaches, um, you know, kind of in my different stops along the way, kind of different systems, as we uh, spoke about earlier, different ways of thinking about the game, different ways of putting, uh, whether it's a defensive rules together to form a defensive package, um, you know, I learned so much from all of those coaches. So, um, you know, I, I do, we, we do, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, we work as hard as we can to provide as many young women the opportunity to coach. We have an internship program. Right. Uh, we really develop through our camps, trying to hire, um, you know, female coaches and give them experience and train them. Um, you know, I just know that um, I feel really lucky to have great coaches throughout my career and I've learned so much from all of them. And it's, um, you know, a real blessing and really fun to, to be a coach now and, and to kind of say some of the things that they've been saying to me along the way. Oh man. You know, it's interesting because you, you clearly idolize your brother. Did you ever push back? <laughs> I think a, a time or two, I probably wasn't the easiest to coach. I, good thing you don't have him coming on here. Uh, <laughs> he had a different but we did. We, we won three state championships together. Um, he still coaches at Menlo. Uh, he's coached his daughters, his coaches, uh, our nieces, uh, they have since won another state championship a couple of years ago. Wow. And I kind of teased him, wow, it only took you 20 plus years <laughs> to stop coaching me. But um, my brother absolutely uh, has been my idol since I was a little girl. And mm. he's a phenomenal athlete and he's a great coach and um, a, a great a great friend and a great brother. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to big brother uh, again. And man, three sport athlete. I mean, you've heard of the two sport athletes, but Man, he was all you know, baseball, was, basketball, and football. That's, I mean, that is a high level. I mean, played two in college, probably could have played three. He could have played three, no doubt. He was a phenomenal athlete. Wow, that's man, that's amazing. Um, so the the other interesting thing is um, that I thought about. Well, I, I, let me give me an idea of. Uh, I want to ask this question later, but I'll ask it now because we're talking about coaching. What, what is Heidi's influence? Heidi uh, is the head women's basketball coach, for those of you that don't know, her uh, Tara's sister at UCSD. And she secured the first uh, multi-year contract in the history of UCSD. And she's a brilliant mind as well. But, but what, what has her influence been on Tara? You know, Heidi is awesome. I can't, I don't even know how old I was when I met Heidi. Um, you, you mentioned my, my, the first year I went to Stanford girls basketball camp, I was nine and Tara wasn't even the coach. Dottie McRae was the coach. Right. Uh, the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Tara uh, got hired in 1985. So I, I was 11 years old at camp when I met Tara and I would have to believe that Heidi probably was there working camp. So I, I probably met her when I was 11 <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, you know, Heidi's just awesome. Uh, she and Tara are like, you know, just thick as thieves. Uh, Tara loves her baby sister. Um, they have, they share a tremendous passion for basketball. Uh, they have different personalities, but they're incredibly close. Um, you know, we call Heidi Tara's, uh, kind of, uh, 
distant assistant or sister assistant, right. sister assistant. I mean, it doesn't matter where Heidi is. Uh, you know, obviously she's at UCSD at a, a fabulous school doing a great job. So exciting for them, you know, uh, going division one and, um, you know, but she's been in different places. It doesn't matter where Heidi is, you know, she'll always be, you know, Tara's kind of right-hand woman, so to speak. Um, but, you know, they share ideas all the time. So uh, cool. You know, Tara will be like, well, look, this is what Heidi's, Heidi's team's doing. And we'll pull, pull up some film of what Heidi's team doing. <laughs> That's or, amazing. You know, she'll tell me, Kate, call Heidi. Uh, you know, they, they scored on a, a sideline out of bounds play with 1.2 seconds. You got to get that play. Um, awesome. You know, they just know each other really well. They love each other. Um, you know, I consider Heidi a great friend. Uh, she actually coached me. Um, she was Brian Agler's assistant in right. Minnesota when That's I was right. a player on the team. Uh, so we go way, way, way back. And, um, you know, Heidi's a, a dear friend and the relationship between um, Heidi and Tara is really special. Uh, for a while there, we were playing UCSD in one of our exhibition games. Right, when they were uh, D2. Kind of player preseason mm -hmm. exhibition games. And, uh, you know, uh, their mother, um, Rita Vanderveer, right. who turned 95 this summer, would come to the game mm -hmm. with a shirt, half, SD. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, I love Heidi, but I'm so glad we don't play that game anymore because Tara was a wreck. Tara would be a wreck for an exhibition game. Because, right. You know, she loves her sister so much. Oh my gosh. She would be like, complimenting the other team while we're playing them <laughs> you know why can't you guys guard this they're tearing us up you know she's like cheering for them and and cheering like trying to coach our it was just it, it was stressful you know <laughs> can we just not you know schedule them anymore right unless uh, it's in the national championship game or something well, like yeah, that one day that yeah. would be amazing i mean it was fun but also i know it was stressful and hard just because she she loves her baby sister heidi so much and uh he heidi's awesome yeah, that's amazing. You know, uh, we said it earlier in passing about the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And, you know, Jay Billis came on the show just to talk about our childhood experiences. And he said his childhood experience was awful. And I think it's really important, uh, not just for boys, but for young girls, especially for all of you coaches that are listening to this. I don't know what, you know, the reason is that you coach, whether it's kids, youth, middle school or high school. Uh, but Kate and I have been doing this a long time. And we've made our share of mistakes, but it is unbelievably important, especially for the girls, to make sure that the experience is as holistic as possible and that it's the best experience of their life while you're there with them. Because girls quit at twice the rate almost as boys. And so we need to make sure that we're continuing to promote the girls game and the women's game and, uh, you know, and know the history of the women's game like we know the men's game. And so... Uh, I'm glad you had a good childhood experience because that probably propelled you not just with your own family, but, you know, just seeing great coaches out there your entire life. And a lot of people don't have that. So what's your best advice to people that have a tough experience, but still have a passion for whatever sport it is and they want to keep playing, but they don't know how to navigate that space. We all can learn through any experience, Yeah. Um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, sometimes we have to learn through painful ones. Totally. Uh, um, but I think it, sometimes it can be a lot more fun to learn from, through positive experiences. And Absolutely. You know, when we teach and coach with our team, uh, we try to lead with positive things. We try to learn from the good as much as we can. We always start with a highlight film after a, after a game, like, you know, before return to a teaching tape, you know, try, nothing succeeds like success. And, you know, when I look back on my career, 
you know, my choice to uh, go to Stanford as a walk-on. I had other, um, you know, opportunities, right. Ivy League opportunities, yeah. Ivy League opportunities. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be with the best. I wanted to uh, surround myself with the best. I wanted to, to be with Stanford. I wanted to be coached by Tara. Um, and, nice. and I've tried to make other choices like that. Um, you know, just, you know, and that, that's the, the same way. advice that yeah. we give young coaches, you know, with their, uh, you know, young women who are working camp or um, uh, people in our internship program. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's far more important, I think, to be in, uh, not that you can't learn in the experience, but I think it's far more important to be uh, in a successful team program organization um, doing things the right way with a system for success. It's a lot easier to learn that way than learning the other way, you know, kind of, right. oh, I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, just, so just try to find people who are excellent and, uh, you know, be around them. You know, I think if somebody, if you're trying to be a coach, you know, volunteer, you know, find somebody who's really successful and just say, I'll, I'll work for free. I know because if you're smart and you're hardworking, um, more likely than not, at some point they're going to say, well, okay, I'll hire you, you know, cause you're so right. good. Um, you know, but I think that's what I've just tried to do is, you know, get, get on the bus with the best coaches and the best players, because uh, that, that uh, is going to make you better. Well, that's the advice that Tara gave Heidi when she was first starting out in the business, right? And she said, you can go make money here, or you can go work for Pat Summit for free, and you can learn from the best. And now we know the rest of the story. I mean, Heidi even went D3 for a while, you know, because she just was following what her inner voice was telling her to do. The other advice that I would give, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, contact coaches and go watch practice. If they allow you to go watch practice, then, you know, uh, learn from the best and sit in on practices during the year and, you know, learn what they do and how they do it and how they talk to their players and how they progress. I sat in on uh, West Virginia's practices as a young coach every day for two months, and I learned an invaluable amount of uh, information. Uh, when I was in, at Frostburg in my graduate program. So <clears throat> I want to ask you this and just let me know about time and stuff. So I went to a clinic with Billie Jean King and we've had her current president of the Women's Sports Foundation on our show uh, as again, as a part of our celebration series, Phaedra Knight in the uh, Rugby Hall of Fame. And so <clears throat> she had the players demonstrating at this uh, tennis clinic at the Barnes Tennis Center here in San Diego. And they were smashing them. I mean, these are the top juniors in the country. And I've coached tennis for 30 years also. I played in college. And they were smashing the ball. And then she stopped the person that was giving the demonstration. And she said, I want you to hit the ball right there. They couldn't. They could not hit the ball. They could smash the living daylights out of that ball. And so the reason I'm asking this question and, and sharing this story with you, because we're living in a time now, and I'm included, where professional skills trainers, private coaches, are not often in alignment with programs, especially the programs that the players are, are playing at. Um, and I've heard Gino talk about this. I haven't heard Tara talk about it as much, but I've heard Gino talk about it. And it's more about teaching them how to win uh, and how to manage stress and how to be a better leader. And so you're very fundamental because that's the way that you grew up. Um, and so how do you balance you know, the players that come in and want to show you that they got every counter move in the book? Because they're as long as it's at the right time, you need to spin when the help comes 
you need to go behind your back instead of crossing over. Like there's things you need to know how to do. And you guys do player development, but there's, there's a bigger emphasis on fundamentals, proper pivoting, you know, those types of, you know, old school fundamentals. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause it's, it's very interesting to me because I've heard you talk about it before. Sure. Um, yeah, we, we, um, we feel like fundamental skill development and player development is um, a, something that we do as well, if not better than anybody. Um, because of the nature of Stanford and the admissions process, the academic requirements, um, you know, we don't live in the portal world. Uh, there's no quick right. fix out there for us. Um, you know, we have to identify players who are great fits for Stanford, uh, who are going to come and are really going to commit to getting a world-class education and, um, you know, developing uh, for four years and really putting work into becoming a complete player, a complete, what we call a two-way player. Um, you know, quite honestly, um, you know, the opportunities that, that are out there for girls uh, to play basketball, to play club basketball, it's exciting. It's awesome. You know, there's uh, things, opportunities that were not there, um, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago, certainly when Tara was playing, she would have loved to have the opportunities that, that girls and young women have today to, to play. Um, but there is a lack of skill development. And, um, you know, I think that... Um, You're talking more fundamentals, not necessarily the counter moves, the, you know, the, the, the Steph Curry kind of stuff. If you want to distinguish between the two, um, yeah, um, you know, I think that I think it's something that the European um, teams and, and are, are doing better. I have a personal philosophy that um, because uh, soccer is, um, you know, that's what, uh, you know, that's the world's number one sport. That's Europe's first sport. Soccer is a very technical game, uh, very skill based, very technically oriented and you know, that's how those systems in Europe were developed based around soccer. And I think they've copied that model with basketball. Um, you know, we have a saying, if you go to a European practice, you'll see one ball, one player. They're working on individual skills. Uh, you go to uh, an American youth, youth development practice, a lot of it's one ball, five players, and they're, you know, working on plays or, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you run, what offensive system you have. Uh, whether it's uh, pick and roll basketball, Princeton, uh, dribble drive, you know, if you don't have basic fundamental skills uh, to be able to handle the basketball, uh, pass the basketball, uh, you know, finish, uh, you know, shoot, uh, pivot, uh, it, it's not going to work. And, um, you know, so, and, you know, we, we spend probably the first 45 minutes of practice doing um, fundamentals, you know, skill development. I really don't see any difference. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it does any good if somebody can do, uh, you know, a, a Euro step or, you know, if they can't, you know, make an entry pass with their right hand and their left right. hand. And, uh, you know, most of the players that we, we, we recruit extremely talented players, um, you know, but we do have to, you know, we, we hammer skill development and whether you call it fundamental, fundamental skills or, or whatever, you know, we spend a lot of time on that because they need it. Uh, they really need it. And we have some of the very best players on, and, um, you know, in the country on our team. Right. And it, it's fun to watch them improve. It is really fun to watch them improve and watch their games grow over the course of their career and, you know, uh, on into the pros. Well, I got to tell you something. Uh, you just reminded me of something. And I didn't have great coaching in high school. 
uh, but I still love the game. I've got cut four times growing up and I made the teams the, the next year every time. But what you just alluded to, creating a lead, that drill and post-entry passes are probably the two drills that I was the most exhausted from. People don't realize how exhausting it is to have to fake high and pass low and the low impact component and how you can condition through drills and creating a lead and the timing of creating a lead, the importance of creating a lead. Man, <laughs> I just thought about that. I was so tired after those drills. Like I was more tired doing those drills than like running sprints. And so to your point, and I love creating a lead, like, hey, like to hold someone off, like how empowering that is. Like, and then to know as you catch, you're turning the right way based on the offensive philosophy on that possession. Like you can, you can get them to buy into stuff that may, that it may seem boring on the surface, you know, and the importance of a post-entry pass can lead to a Gretzky, right? And a Gretzky is in hockey, there's two assists. So I love Gretzky's, right? The pass that leads to the assist. So man, that is phenomenal stuff. Um, so I want to ask you, go ahead. You want, you want to comment on you that? Know, it's just, uh, it's like, you know, if you're going to build a house, you better start with a, a really good foundation. Right. And if you listen, listen to, you know, the, the very best players in the world, whether, you know, it's Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, uh, LeBron, uh, the, the late uh, Kobe, um, you know, it's about ma mastering the, the basic fundamentals uh, and, and doing them really well. Yeah, man, that is phenomenal. I uh, love that boy. It just resonated right here. Made me smile right on the inside. That is so awesome. Cause I like teaching the counter moves. It's fun. Like to teach them how to handle stress and you know, the, 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 the efficient fancy stuff I like to call it. So I want to ask you about chemistry because, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I, I thought about three players from your team. So you have Cameron Brink, uh, Fran and Haley Jones. So you got three different, really like personality wise um, and, you know, styles of play and Fran had all this pressure coming in you know with that viral video and you know Haley's a polarizing player in every way you know and you see Cameron this summer really working on her game you know in in a way that I hadn't seen before you know to evolve late starter to the game when she was younger and so uh, how how gratifying and satisfying is it that you know you're giving them tools to put in their toolbox and, you know, I feel like Fran had the toughest road, you know, you're internal, but that's just my, that's the vibration I feel from her. Like she had all these expectations, but look at her now and she's just grinding and grinding and grinding. And man, she's such a better version of herself now. They all are, but, and then bringing them together for, for, for the greater good, like isn't being the architect or, you know, being the associate architect, like such an amazing feeling. It's indescribable for people who are thinking of getting into coaching and, and, you know, you don't know if you want to do it and just the, the building process of it. It may be faster there than at other places to build, but nonetheless, you're an architect, you know, and it's, it must be an amazing feeling to just every year see the, the evolution of people and, and as players. It, it is really fun. It's the magic of coaching. I think, you know, we alluded to earlier to putting together the, the puzzle, the championship puzzle. Yeah. That is fun on a yearly basis, but, you know, step back kind of broader. Uh, mm -hmm. That is, that is what I love about coaching is, uh, you know, watching uh, young women grow uh, as players, as students, as people to watch mm -hmm. where they come in as a freshman and kind of not knowing up from down and having expectations, but not knowing what's coming and watch their growth. 
from a sophomore to a junior to a senior. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Aneka Ogumake uh, and Man. the growth that she had. Wow. Um, you know, we already talked about like Anna Wilson or Alexi and Lacey Hall. Um, and, you know, we're just uh, the, the great blessing of being at Stanford is incredible young women we get to work with and coach. Um, you know, you talk about chemistry. Um, you know, our, our team is really special. Uh, they genuinely love each other. Uh, they care about each other. Um, you know, I think we, we went through something kind of um, uh, really kind of spiritual and magical through the pandemic, that experience that we had um, you know, on the road for two months. Um, you know, our, our team, I don't even think they can understand the, the, the life skills and resilience and flexibility that they learned through that process. But more than anything, they just, um, what we learned is through that and we, we've known is just, you know, you have to love playing with each other and you have to appreciate every single uh, day in the gym. And um, our team has terrific chemistry and to be a part of creating an atmosphere, an environment, a program where uh, that type of uh, sisterhood can can thrive and where they can feel that that special something that comes with um, being all about your team. And, you know, as, as you hear in kind of coaching cl cliches, the we above the me, um, right. you know, it, it is really special. And 40 years from now, uh, that's what they'll remember. They won't remember the right. score of a game or who averaged what or this, that, and the other. They'll, they'll remember how they felt about each other, right. um, you know, how they felt through the experience and the relationships that they still have. Oh, man, incredible stuff. Um... You know, Dawn Staley, obviously you mentioned her earlier, is doing some amazing things and, and uh, you know, women's coaches uh, in the WNBA are, you know, uh, we have uh, um, in Las Vegas, Becky Hammond making a million dollars a year now. And, you know, what Dawn's doing for women is, is incredible. You know, Pat Summit, there, there's been, you know, Viv Vivian Stringer, um, you know, there's been a lot of amazing with Sue Gunner. I mean, there's been you know, a lot of the legends of the ball from the original W, the WBL, you know, there's a lot of history with women's basketball. You know, Dawn's doing amazing things for women of color, especially, and that's really important to her. And so talk about how um, Tara has evolved, uh, you know, not only as a part of the game and Title IX and seeing it, you know, from 1972 until now, but just in terms of how she treats players, you know, mental health, you know, because she's had to evolve also because she's old school. Yeah, you know, um, you're right. There are so many great um, uh, women and coaches uh, who have done so much in the history of our game. Uh, you know, Dawn is terrific. I have so much admiration for, and respect for her. You guarded she, her. She, I, I, I did. You barely, guarded her. Barely. <laughs> in that final Tara, four game, you guarded her. <laughs> Tara, Tara told me if I could reach out and touch her or if I could sit and it might land on her. I was way too close. So yeah. uh, you know, Tara, Tara and Dawn are very close. They have a great relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're huge Dawn fans, except when we're playing them. Right. And we do have a, a big date set up at our place, November 20th. Yes. Uh, everybody get your tickets. Yes. Um, you know, Tara, um, you know, Tara is one of the best coaches in the history of sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, male or female, doesn't matter what, what sport you're talking about. And um, to have had a front row seat the past, the past you know, 35 years to watch her growth. Uh, I think it's been well documented and discussed just kind of what a lifelong learner she is, how, you know, anybody to achieve that type of success for so long. Uh, she's incredibly curious. She's incredibly hardworking. 
Um, she's very flexible and, and adaptable. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's been fun to see her evolve. You know, we joke and, you know, anybody who kind of played for Tara back in the day when I was <laughs> playing, you know, they come to practice, it's like, well, everything's different. She's like grandma Tara now, you know, like, you know, how grandparents are different than your oh, parents. Yeah. But I think it's just part of the evolution. Um, you know, anybody who coached uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago knows that you can't coach the same way. Um, and, and probably for a good reason, you know, not everything that was done back in the day when uh, you mentioned sitting and watching practices at West, West Virginia, that's how Tara learned sitting and watching Bobby Knight's practices at right. Indiana right. when she was a player there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a society, hopefully we're all learning and evolving, uh, you know, doing things better, coaching better. But Tara has evolved. She has changed uh, as the world, world changes and as uh, the game changes and players change. And that's why she's still at the very top of what she does. Um, you know, uh, the pandemic certainly brought uh, issues of mental health and to the forefront yeah. that we all need to address and, um, you know, take more seriously and pay closer attention to for our players, for our staff, for the people around us, for ourselves. Um, you know, uh, I think Tara is a more balanced person. She'd probably be the first one to tell you that, um, you know, she takes more time for herself in the off season to, uh, you know, water ski and, uh, uh, you know, row and, and swim and bike and do all the different things that she's into play bridge with her mom. And I think, um, I think we're all more, more aware, um, you know, that, that balance and mental health is really important. And, um, you know, in this world that we're living in, you know, more is not necessarily better, you know, and, yeah. um, again, we, we work really hard to make it be a really positive, healthy environment for our players and really, um, you, know, you can't treat any, any, any two people, any two players the same, you know, we're all different. We all have different needs and, uh, and try to be as responsive as we can and just really have a first class experience for everyone. That has changed because back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was just do as I say and run the track and suck it up. And, you know, uh, there's a running joke in my family and on the show and on my TikTok uh, that I've had six dads, but two of them unalive themselves and took their own life. And so, you know, that is a topic that, you know, I talk about pretty openly and, you know, uh, in your department, you had somebody, uh, unfortunately that took their own life. Um, and so, you know, like you said, mental health is just something that we have to normalize, you know, and Joanne McCauley, who I mentioned earlier, you know, she's going around as a mental health advocate now talking around the world about mental health, whether you're bipolar or whether you're, you're having acute depression or you know chronic depression and that it's okay and that you're not alone and there are a multitude of layers to this puzzle and be a part of something bigger than yourself and ask for help even if it's hard to have the courage to do that whether it's dribbling differently or you know you feel off you know above the eyebrows and between the ears it's okay you know to ask for help now and maybe in the old days you were you know, looked at differently, especially in certain cultures. Well, we do have a mental health crisis uh, on our colleges, on our college campuses, mm -hmm. um, you know, both in sport and outside of sport and That's really awesome. kind of in our, in our, in our world, given what we've all gone through with the pandemic and um, the tragic loss of Katie Meyer really hit home with our, our team. Uh, they were very uh, close with her. Um, you know, it just, um, you know, it, it was a really hard time for our team uh, the athletic department, the Stanford community, and all, and all of college sports. Um, and it is something that 
uh, as a team, as a program, as a department, as a university. I know that Stanford uh, takes very seriously and um, I think it has opened the door, as you say, to, to have more honest dialogue and conversations and be more in tune with each other and um, you know what we can do to, to hopefully make it a safer and healthier uh, environment experience for everyone. And more equitable. All right, let's get to the rapid fire. We have just a few because I know your time's incredibly valuable. And um, uh, is school starting for you guys? Uh, Stanford is on the quarter system. Oh, you're on the quarter so system. Our September. players just recently went home for summer quarter. They'll be okay. home for a whole month, um, yeah. you know, kind of resting, recharging, and preparing, yeah. and we'll turn uh, to campus. We don't start class until, gosh, I think September 26th, September 27th. God, that's brutal. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love it. I think oh, you do? Oh, okay, I think yeah. it's a huge advantage academically and oh, wow. we absolutely oh, that's good. the quarter system. Oh, that's cool. I would be chomping at the bit. God. But I guess the break is nice too. And then you well, can just you know who I think um, you know, our plan is to be in the final four and competing for a national championship every year. And that takes yeah. you to the first weekend weekend in April. And I actually think as long as our team comes back uh, you know, refreshed in shape yeah. and ready to go, that's a whole month less of uh, physical, mental, emotional wear and tear. Uh, on us as a group and hopefully we're fresher uh, to compete for a national championship at the end. Yeah, I'm sure you will be. That's a great point. All right. Uh, fountain hopping or full moon on the quad? Fountain hopping. <laughs> of course, a little safer. <laughs> More uh, correct, politically correct, I guess. Oh, okay, so food at late night at Lakeside or Memorial Union? uh late night they got they have excellent donuts neko gumake would be the first one to tell you that <laughs> wow that's fascinating so, uh starbucks or koopa pete's pete's wow really <laughs> yeah interesting yeah. wait what's your what's your drink of choice uh i'm a black coffee who wow you're really old school in that way not just fundamentally with coffee too wow nothing no cream sugar nothing nothing who, nothing, nothing i started i started i didn't start wow. drinking coffee till i was 30 and studying for the bar and i was wow. like give me, give me a cup of that black coffee <laughs> wow that's incredible pete's black coffee ladies and gentlemen wow you should have an nil deal with them <laughs> let's go pete's so hit her up okay so up three with under seven seconds to go not you uh not tara you and now we can advance in the women's game. We can advance the ball to half court right after made basket call timeout. If you have full timeouts left. Um, but so you're up three it was under seven seconds ago. Are you fouling your opponent or are you just playing good D and if they tie it, you go to overtime, you know, and did that change over the years? I think we're still playing good T, but good D, but boy, yeah. we, we're still, we'll, we're still toying with that. I know they do it all the time in the pros. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough one for me. I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I love trusting my team, but yeah, I've seen it so many times. And then the air is out of the balloon and God bless America. Yeah, we have a lot of confidence in our defense, so. Yes, you do. And yeah, so do I. Uh, okay, so you went to Stanford when Tiger was there. I did. So did you, did you have a feeling that he was going to be Tiger? Like, was he polarizing back then? Like, was he Tiger back then? I think, I think everybody knew he was a pretty big de deal. He kind of called wow. himself El Tigre back then. <laughs> oh man wait but so were you, were you guys like friends with them because it was different back then men's and women's well, i remember i was uh, roommates with a volleyball player who's still a dear friend of mine and back then you know you didn't have cell phones and you had those, right. like, old school answering machines i remember coming home to our our our, our dorm room and pressing the you know play and you had right. red light anybody who's young has no idea what we're talking about 
And it said, you know, oh hey, God. Marnie, it's El Tigre. I'm like, hey, Marnie, who is this guy who's calling you? <laughs> I guess it was Tiger Woods. So, oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's had a heck of a run, uh, man. Talk about polarizing. Uh, how did Kobe's death affect the girls and, and the staff? Uh, that was a devastating day. Um, we uh, we found out right before the game, but we didn't want to tell our team right, like literally right before the game. Yeah. And, um, you know, we ended up telling them after and it just was, um, you know, it, it, it was devastating. Uh, just, um, you know, what an incredible and influential figure he is in all of basketball and especially later in his life, taking such a strong interest in women's basketball that really resonated with all of the uh, women on our team. Wow. Um, it, as for everyone, it was just uh, really shocking, but it was, it was a really hard day. Yeah, it was. I remember Sabrina's uh, reaction. <laughs> man. Yeah, that was brutal. Uh, favorite TV show growing up? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we had some good ones in the old days. Isn't that the truth? What did I love? Did you watch that? The Honeymooners? No, I'm not that old. Who? Come no, on. I know, but I love The Honeymooners. I don't know why I would watch it, but Ralph and <laughs> they were just hilarious i, I loved uh you know, saturday nights i think it was love boat and then fantasy island the plane the plane <laughs> oh that's uh favorite movie of all time you have a favorite movie uh shakespeare in love wow really yeah black coffee so and shakespeare no i'm not surprised but black coffee and shakespeare wow my mother cool. my late mother was um in uh english literature I uh, got her master's in English literature at Stanford wow. and taught Shakespeare. And uh, I just, I love that, that movie. We're out though. Thou. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Oh, that's phenomenal. Favorite music. Um, I love the music. Um, they play during pregame. I love walking <laughs> in that gym. Just like, you know, I probably don't, I can't identify one right. song or lyric, just get hype still. It, but I just know that, well, you know, it's something that the the players on the team have chosen. When I walk in, I hear them like it's game time. There's nothing better than that. There really isn't. No one's answered that way. That is what a great answer. Montana or Brady? That's easy. Well, I know it's easy because of where you're. You know, oh, Montana. I mean, uh, Tom Brady's born and raised here, but I, right. um, you know, the the 1980s 49ers. That was, um, you know, Joe Montana, Joe Cool. Joe Cool. Yep. Yeah, we won't get into the my um, <clears throat> Brady rants today. I'll leave that for another time. Uh, okay, Larry or Rick Barry? Larry Legend. Rick Barry. Yeah, he was on our show too. He was he was a great guest. My All brother right. shot uh, underhand free throws just like Rick Barry. Did he really? I didn't know that. He wow, did. I didn't find that anywhere. Was he made fun of? Uh, they would heckle him, especially in at high Stanford school. when he played for Tom Davies. He shot underhand. His first, his freshman year, he did not, and his free throw uh, percentage suffered, and he went back to it his sophomore year. He was excellent at it. Wow. Would you ever recommend for a player to do that now? As long as it goes in, the coach will never mess with your shot. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, all right, any last words of wisdom or anything else you want to share that we didn't, that we didn't get to? Wow, what a phenomenal hour. I can't thank you enough. Uh, and thanks to Val. She was supposed to be here today. She was going to surprise you. But uh, she got busy and I invited Barb Smith, who I know you know very well, good friend, also former D1 coach. And she's got her thing going with uh, Find My Team. She's doing an amazing job with that. 
but anything else that you want to share? Obviously, best of luck this year and another run to the Final Four. Thank you. I love Val Whiting, one of the most talented players I ever had the opportunity to play with, both in college and professionally. Um, love Barb Smith. Uh, hoot, this has been a ton of fun. You are a hoot. And <laughs> I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that. But I just love being around great leaders, even if it's just for an hour to learn. You're like and... a pro radio guy. Like I, I feel like I should flip on at my AM or my Sirius and you'll be on there. Is there like uh, hoot show? I mean, people have been saying that to me. Um, I mean, Steph you have the voice and the cadence. I uh, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. You know, Stephanie Arnold came on my show and she was in Hollywood for 20 years and she said, what have you been doing your whole career? I'm like, well, I mean, I just, I love coaching and, you know, but I love this too. Um, I just want to try and be a part of any mobilization to just bridge gaps and be a bridge. So, but I appreciate the compliment. It means a lot. And, and uh, anything I can do to, like I said, be a part of the solution, whatever the solution is, that's, I, I've just made a decision two years ago after George Floyd that I need to do more as an ally. And uh, I just decided that I'm not gonna look for one thing in return. I'm just gonna pour into anything and everything I can. Uh, like I had a, a film session yesterday with a professional basketball player uh, on the men's side. Uh, and he's in Brazil right now. And he said, I've never had a film session like that in my life. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I'm like, I don't know why people aren't looking at it that way, but that's just how I see the game. And then I changed, I won't name her, but a former Oregon State player who's playing, uh, who's going to be playing in Italy. I re revamped her entire shot and I don't, I don't ask for money. I just, I don't make any money on the show. Maybe one day all that will change, but I just made a decision vibrationally to change everything about my course and just pour into anyone and everyone as much as I can. And I just want it to be most importantly, an example to my daughter, whether I'm talking about the LGBTQIA plus community or Black Lives Matter or my work ethic. How old's your daughter? Uh, she's gonna be 12. Okay, awesome. I yeah. have a, when does she turn 12? Uh, she's gonna turn 12 in October, so she's starting middle school. So October what? 18th. All right, I, I have one turning 12 on October 3rd. Wow, that's, so middle school also? Yeah. Wow, oh yeah. my God, I'm so nervous for her. Middle school was brutal for me, I was bullied. Yeah, it was rough. High yeah. school I loved. But yeah, no, it's been, being a parent's been amazing. As you know, time flies with everything. Yeah. Well, that's so, awesome. Uh, I yeah. appreciate what you're doing and it's been a, thank you for letting me be a small part of it today. Yeah, I yeah. really appreciate it yeah. and I love your mission. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, maybe if we cross paths at a final four uh, after the championship victory, you know, maybe we can have a cup of black coffee together or something. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Hoot. All right. Thanks so much, Kate. Appreciate it. Kate Pay, everybody. Much love and uh, have an amazing season. Can't wait to watch you all uh, make that run in March and, and hopefully in April. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Much love. Oh, man. There's nothing like relationships, uh, phenomenal relationships, even if it's just for an hour. Uh, the legendary Kate Pay, ladies and gentlemen, we, we truly hope that you enjoyed that incredible conversation, um, the podcast. Anything that we can ever do, please don't hesitate to reach out to us so that you uh, feel like you're not alone, especially if you're having some really dark times. All right. Much love, everybody. Well, if you stuck around this long, ladies and gentlemen, here are today's outtakes with Hoot and Stanford Associate Head Women's Basketball Coach, Kate Pay. Hey there, Hoot. Hey, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well. Can you give me one minute? Oh, take your time. You're fine. That's the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>
She made a cameo. We've had worse. Let us know what you think. You can always send us an email. <laughs> oh, man. I better not quit my day job. You can always leave us a review of today's podcast with Kate Pay. Be sure to follow Stanford women's basketball as they go for their fourth national championship. All righty. I was playing stand-up comedian while you were gone. Okay. I won't quit my day job. How's everything? <laughs> Going well. Let me just turn off my do not disturb. Oh, you're good. Or turn on, I guess it is. Turn on. That's right. Yeah. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, my first question today, after I do the intro, uh, sort of a bummer question, but it, it leads to a larger conversation. So we'll, we'll probably start with that. What are we talking I'll... about here today? Whatever you want to talk about. It's All a right. deli, so we got we got a good menu here. All right, you lead the way. I okay, didn't prepare any, prepare any remarks. Okay, awesome. This is all audio, right? We do video too. Okay. It's on um, YouTube. Where are you based out of? I'm in San Diego, right by Heidi. Oh, lucky guy. I know. Lucky guy. It's beautiful down there. Yeah, it is. You were here for a while with uh, Beth. I was there with Beth. I took my family there for two weeks last summer, and we just went. It was awesome. Yeah, I've, I, it's grown on me. I'm from Detroit originally. And uh, when I first moved out here, it had a weird energy, just a you know, military town. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's grown on me, you know, because, um, you know, with the dogs, my daughter and, you know, as a professional basketball skills trainer, you know, I like to be able to do it year round. So that part's good. All right, let's rock and roll, everybody. We'll, we'll do a, an intro, and then I'll uh, ask my first question because I'm uh, dying to hear your response about this. All righty. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Boy, that was phenomenal. Great job and much love to everyone. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40tons.co. 40 Tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand and they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40tons.co because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible and uh, they have my full support and also wanted to remind all of you if you're having a tough time you can always call the suicide prevention lifeline and that number is 800-273-8255 that's 800-273-8255 and they are available 24 7 365 days you can also always check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok, at Mike Hootner. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, Breaking Tea, 
Sport RX, PSK Collective, City Lokes, and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online at BreakingT.com, SportRx.com, PSKCollective.com, MoolahKicks.com, and CityLokes.com. And if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli, we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly, either $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you have uh, questions about that, Send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, you can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. There's a link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out and mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for nonviolent offenses. So those things need to change. And remember, gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self-breast examinations. And remember, guys, this afflicts about 1,500 men annually with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations, both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K, I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember it takes a village. Much love, everybody. Peace.